0: Pucks, oh, and yeah. and it is it going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown. Each your inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down. And that is a touchdown, New Orleans. We'll take you to places most fans never go to practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! Inside Black and Gold from, uh, I'm in my water boil advisory house in Metri. While Jeff is living the dream in the city, we are here to bring you the latest on the Saints. Some new offensive coordinator update. Uh, we'll get into mock drafts already and even a little Taysom Hill
1: talk. How you doing, Jeff? I'm doing good. Yeah, I can still drink my tap water. I mean, th- <laughs> it's still poisoning me probably, right? But I can drink it without without heating it up first. So I guess that's a that's an improvement over your situation. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're just going to get, you know, this first segment, we're just going to get into kind of the, the latest offense coordinator updates. There's only a couple of them. Um, and then, yeah, we're going to use the second segment to go through your mock draft, your initial mock draft. Final segment to go through my initial mock draft. You're going to talk it out. Figure it out, right? Go through what we think is, you know, this is kind of the placeholder one where I pick a pick based on the idea of a thing and I just pick a player that I haven't really had a ton of time to go through the film yet um, or scout yet. And then we have the Senior Bowl next week. So that'll kind of be a good jumping off point into that. But yeah, first things first. So one, you know, there's been a couple more offensive coordinator interviews that have come out since we last spoke three were reported previously so one was Ronald Curry which we all kind of expected the internal candidate would have been weird if they didn't interview him Uh, obviously he's a a serious option Um, and it's really a question of do you want (sighs) to rebuild a lot of it or do you want to stick with a good chunk of what you've done and maybe refresh it because that would be the Ronald Curry hire would be a a sign that you're not overhauling the offense significantly. And that's a big question is how much do you want to change? The others, which are not a surprise and they have come out now because you're talking about teams that played into the divisional round, right? So you have the 49ers, you have Brian Greasy, who's their quarterbacks coach under Kyle Shanahan, Clint Kubiak, son of Gary Kubiak, Clint with a K who is the 49ers Pass game coordinator, pass game specialist, whatever their title is. Right. So those are those are three that got reported earlier this week. Um, and then the most recent one literally just came out minutes before we came on here, which is Steelers. Was it their offensive coordinator? Their interim offensive coordinator? Uh, quarterbacks coach. Steelers quarterbacks coach. Yeah. Sorry. Steelers quarterbacks coach Mike Sullivan, who's interesting because he doesn't really check the boxes of some of these other guys that you have interviewed. And maybe this is a sign of the Saints starting to broaden their search a little bit outside of the McVay-Shanahan guys because Mike Sullivan, while he, he does check my box of being a former offensive coordinator, doesn't have any of that experience crossing over with Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan outside of crossing paths with Clint Kubiak in Denver. But he was the offensive coordinator for the Giants, back in the 2015-2016 season, that was the Ben McAdoo coach season for the Giants season plus, which is a really hilarious error when you look at it because Ben McAdoo lost his job after trying to bench Eli Manning for Geno Smith. And at the time, everyone was like, you're crazy, Geno Smith. He's not a starting quarterback in the NFL. What are you doing? Put Davis Webb in, who was their third round pick that year. And... Uh, the reaction was so loud that the that the front office was like, you know what? Never mind. We're gonna fire Ben Eli. You go back in. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna start you the rest of the year. Gino Kick Rocks, um, <laughs> and then you moved on. Eventually, you got Daniel Jones. He took over for Eli Manning the next season. Now Gino Smith is out in Seattle starting. Which is like if you're Ben McAdoo, you must be looking at that and being like, well, huh. I guess yeah, what what a, I think I was right. Yeah, you know, I think that's true. Nice. Pro- anyway, um, but yeah, Mike Sullivan his. His biggest, you know, s- credential is being the offensive coordinator for the Giants uh, for a period of time. He was also their wide receivers coach. I think he was a quarterbacks coach at one point. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting one because again, it's not the, it doesn't check the boxes of the guys that you like, the Zach Robinsons and the Dan Pitchers and these guys, right? And yeah, with the
0: uh, the Pittsburgh gig, he did take over play calling once Matt Canada got canned.
1: Matt canned. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I that's what we were joking about. It was like, I don't mind that they're (laughs) interviewing Mike Sullivan as long as they don't even like take a second look at Matt Canada. Like, I don't even want to like if like we talk about guys getting coaching opportunities, you know. Arthur Smith is another guy who there's reports that he's getting a lot of interest in offensive coordinator searches, and it doesn't make it's not surprising to me because there's so many available. And you know, we talked about this, you kind of you kind of laughed it off, but at the same time, it's like he was a head coach because he was a good offensive coordinator, right? Like, even if you complain about Dennis Allen as a head coach, I think we can all agree that he could fall back and still be a good defensive coordinator, right? Josh McDaniels is the same thing. Like, he is getting head coaching jobs because he's a good offensive coordinator. Now, those two things don't always even out, which means being a good offensive coordinator and being a good head coach. But you can certainly fall back and be an offensive coordinator that with success. right? Look at Dan Quinn. I think Quinn is he's been so good with the Cowboys that everyone wants him, but he won't leave the Cowboys. And, and I do think it's interesting, but you know uh, it's, it's going to be, I do wonder, you know, you look at Shane Waldron taking the job with the bears. And one of the questions going to be, it's not whether a coach will come coach the saints offense. They'll find someone that's willing to do it. It's going to be when you are in a bidding war with another team, for instance, Dan pitcher, who Brian Callahan got hired to go coach the Titans, right? He's their head coach now. So do the Bengals elevate Dan Pitcher? And now you're competing with the Bengals for a guy you might want, right? Like that, that becomes difficult because you're yeah. holding that scenario up to, to against the Saints and you're not necessarily saying, will they come coach the Saints? Sure, but will they come coach the Saints when this other option is available and they could choose that instead? That's the question that's going to come up and I think – that gets more and more protracted. You have to ask, is that happening more more, more often than not? Um, and, and is that how you end up with a guy like Arthur Smith, even though he's probably still a little salty about how that season ended? I'd, I'd be kind of interested in his first meeting in the Saints building with Jameis in the room. I don't think Jameis would be in the room. <laughs> uh, I'm just
0: saying, I don't think Arthur Smith will be either. It would just be funny.
1: No, I don't think Arthur Smith's going to get the job. I just think there's a reason that he's like he will get interest. Of course he will. Like just because you failed as a head coach doesn't mean teams scratch you off their list and say, Oh, he's hopeless. Uh I, t- I think a team that wants to re- revitalize their run game and dedic- rededicate themselves to the run game might go have back to in Arthur Smith. Right? The Titans were a much better offense when he was there. Right. I mean, Derrick Henry was, you know, first people forget the first few years of Derrick Henry's career, he was he was he wasn't good. He was still the same guy. So why wasn't he good? Well, he paired with Arthur Smith, and they then they created a a scheme, and they improved, and they dedicated themselves to the run game, and they, you know, he was, you know, a a perennial All Pro guy, and now you seem, I think he's kind of reached that point. Derrick Henry has where he's kind of falling off a little bit, Um, but no, I I think it's interesting, and that kind of leads into, you know, one of my biggest questions, like whenever the Saints hire a guy, is going to be okay. How do you plan? to incorporate Taysom Hill into this offense. Because, you know, I've had seen people say, well, they should cut him. They should trade him. You're not cutting him. You're not trading him because that would cost you $16 million in dead money to cut to cut Taysom or trade Taysom this offseason. Maybe next year. It's possible. Uh, and there's you could potentially go the route of making him a post-June 1 cut or trade which would, I think, be $5 million this year. And that would push $11 million of the dead cap to next year. But that's not mm. better. It just makes your operational costs this year a little simpler. So I think you have to go in with the idea that Taysom is on your offense. And the question is, how are you going to use him? Uh, because I don't like, I think Taysom has been used in, in or these last two years in terms of you're trying to find ways, but I don't think you've been very creative with how you're using him. In, in terms of like the taysom runs like you've been using him more as a pass catcher but and i have some numbers here but i just don't think that this past season specifically you saw the level of the creativity within that taysom offense that you probably want to see
0: yeah from for me the problem definitely i, I want to I want more usage out of taysom i just don't feel like it's been consistent enough it he, there's there's times and games he just disappears
1: well see no i, I disagree with that because i think you have used taysom more these last two years he disappears because you're only using him in these incredibly predictable ways and when those get stopped what do you do right you don't have a counter like 95 percent of the time you see Taysom in the backfield with Derek Carr on the sideline and the entire plan is okay we have an extra blocker and we're gonna see if we can block all these guys and Taysom can find a hole that's the offense like you can go left or right, you can you can do a few things out of it, but it's pretty straightforward. It's not you would not call that creative,
0: right? No, and agree.
1: so you know one of the things, and I've said this, we've talked about this before, is why don't you see plays where Derek Carr is set to this is off to in wide right? You saw, it saw last that with year, Drew. You know, Drew Brees would do that. Drew Brees would do that, right? And and I know that people are like, well, he's not really. He's not really drawing any attention over there, but that's not the point. The point is, there should be scenarios where you call two plays, and one is a check to if they show this look, we are checking to a Taysom Hill run. The quarterback is splitting out wide, and we are running Taysom Hill against a light look or against this personnel that we don't believe can stop him, even without that extra blocker. And you don't have that and the evidence is pretty clear because you can look up like where so if you go in pro football focus you can look at snaps by position so it actually saves a lot of time in terms of going back and watching every single taste of hill run uh which can be hard to parse out and so this past season Derek carr he started 17 games he missed a couple he missed like a a a full game when you combine all of the second halves that he got hurt in so you could say 16 games total he was in for he was split out wide eight times all season long I'm go back it's to happening. last. <laughs> well, go back to, in, in and that, that's not necessarily. It's like sometimes Dalvin Kamara or sometimes you do a double reverse handoff, or whatever. So it's not always like the same as him being out wide. But you know, if you go back to last year with Andy Dalton, they did it. Let's see, Andy Dalton in 2022, 33 times he started 14 games. They did it 33 times and he was split out wide, and it's not always a run play. There was a long pass to get to Rashid Shahid in the win over the Falcons. You know who was standing at the bottom of the screen, not getting any attention? Andy Dalton, right? Taysom Hill found Rashid Shaheed for like a 70-yard touchdown or a 60-yard touchdown. Like it's, it's not about the numbers per se. It's about keeping the defense off balance and forcing them to adjust and then attacking what weakness they decide to show. Go back. And it's hard to kind of gauge in terms of snap count from like 2020 and 2021 because Taysom started several games each of those seasons. So his snaps at quarterback are a lot higher. And it's hard to kind of get a good measuring stick. In 2020, when Drew Brees started 12 games, he was split out 18 times. And I think you're dealing with an injury. You want to be careful just in case like something weird happens. So you're not getting as creative with him. But you go back to 2018, which is the last time you didn't have a quarterback miss four to five games in a year. Drew Brees in 16 starts was split out wide 55 times. Wow. 55. That's Drew Brees. Yeah. And this was back when your offense was was humming. Right? That was the NFC championship year. Yeah. So so what happened? What's changed? Why aren't you doing that anymore? I think it's just a, I think to me that's just an underlying sign of like the lack of creativity in this offense and because you have the most versatile player in the NFL but you're only using him in incredibly predictable ways. And especially now that you can use him more as a threat downfield, I think that he's shown that he can a pass catcher and run these routes, and in instead of forcing them to to respect him as a pa, as a route runner and as a pass catcher, and then using that to your advantage because they're going to be in nickel and dime looks, you don't do it at all. And so, like, like I'm not saying like the the new offensive coordinator his plan for Taysom Hill is going to be what gets him the job or doesn't get him the job, but that's going to be one of my biggest questions of like, how exactly do you intend to use Taysom Hill? because not a lot of pl- guys are walking through the door with experience in that type, you know, with that level of gadget type plays in your offense. Like no other team does it. There's no other Taysom Hill. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. What's really curious to me is like, obviously we've seen
0: uh, a decrease in his use on special teams. He's not totally, totally not, you know, doing that anymore, but I figured with the, you know, less special teams work, He'd be getting more involved in the offense. And I just don't feel like that has been the case for Taysom.
1: Why? Well, I don't think he's been used less on special teams. What do you mean?
0: I just felt like he was used more, obviously, uh, you know, as your gunner or, you know, trying to uh, be a block, you know, block a punt. And I just don't feel like he's used as much
1: there anymore. I, I disagree with that. So this year, okay, kick coverage, he, he's not used on kick coverage as much. But kick return, 23, 71, 65, 140, 163, 164. He got 164 snaps on special teams this year in 2023. Last year, he got uh, 145, 158, 160, 163. So about the same. 2021. That's hard because again, these are seasons where, so the seasons that he started games at quarterback, his numbers will be down. But yeah. uh, let's go back to like 2018. And like 20, even 2019 would be tough because when Teddy Bridgewater was a starting quarterback, he was the backup and that limited his usage, if you remember. Um, but let's see, 2018, 103, 175. Yeah, this season he got, you know, about 250. But I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think, I think you are still using him on special teams significantly, right? Like he's in every punt. He's the personal protector protect in punts. He's out there in the field goal block. So I, I don't know. I I don't think that his usage has gone down as a special team, t- special teamer. Yeah. I don't know. For whatever reason, it definitely felt that
0: way to me. I, I, I don't know. I'm used to seeing Taysom come in and, you know, making a play on special teams. And I guess that really hasn't stood out for me the, the past couple years.
1: Well, well, one of my issues is that you've never used him as a, a, a for a fake. He's in there on every single punt. I don't think you've used him for one fake since that time against the 49ers where he threw. And uh, remember, there was the the whole like, is it, is it holding or is it not holding? You know, right. Uh, like, that's the last time I remember a fake. Maybe I'm wrong. But like, what, like, that's one of the perks of having him there is like, you're always, you know, threatening to run a fake. And I don't, and they just never have anyway. But like, like, one of the reasons that, Leaving Taysom on the field, leaving Derek on the field, when you when you run him in some of those sets is like, okay, so you don't have to sub, right? Like you don't have to project what you're doing, um, and then you can run multiple plays against looks that you like, right? Like if if you have Derek on the sideline then the only way to get him back on the field is to sub, obviously, which allows the other team to match personnel. If you have both of those guys on the field and you like that first look to run against and you do it and it works, you can do it again or you can go back and run a play with Derek Carr under center and then hit him again with that run. You can run three plays in a row without substituting and they can't match. So so you're able – it's just – it's like I just want to see them use Taysom the way that you used to use Taysom. (laughs) <laughs> you know, like you go back to 2018 and and it just seemed like there was a plan. And now that plan is, well, let's hit him with a hammer again. It, it definitely seems that they treat him a little with kid gloves, too. I don't know if they're worried about injury with him, obviously, because of how he's used. You do have to be. Yeah, I mean, you do have to consider that to some extent. Um, but, yeah, I'm not saying you give him 20 carries a game. I'm just, but like one of the reasons he takes such high impact on these runs is because he's constantly running into a brick wall. Yeah. You know, like he should be able to break runs against safeties, not Sam linebackers, you know? Um, And and that's, that's my biggest frustration. So that's it. That's all I really have. But I just, that's like one of the questions I have because it's one of the unique things about the saints offense that if a guy comes in and says like, I want to change this, and do something else entirely. You need to have a good reason, um, and uh, so we'll see. But yeah, that's 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 all I have on the offensive coordinator search. And you know, we're getting into Senior Bowl time. I imagine you're going to want to be making a hire soon, but who knows? That's when you get into the area of, well, I have two offers. Which one do I want to take? And do you get into a bidding war? And and is Mickey kind of sending? a text being like hey can we up this guy's salary by another half a million and you know uh, overall though and I think a lot of people have been really down on the Saints' situation on offense
0: and if you really look at it it's it's not that bad of a scenario in my opinion when you have a Derek Carr Alvin Kamara you know Chris Olave uh in the mix you mentioned Taysom Hill the list goes on and on obviously I think the the offensive line kind of needs an overhaul but uh, other than that, there's still plenty of weapons to get to on this offense.
1: Now, it's not the worst situation by any stretch, Like right? There are worse situations to go to. You have support- supportive ownership, right? You have an offense right. that you can control. <laughs> you know, like that's one of, the th- one of the reasons that I think the Saints would have, you know, I-, I don't know if it would be easier to hire an offensive coordinator if you're not a play calling offensive coordinator. Right. Like, so you can say you're the, you are the, the rock star of this offense. Right. And you know, what, what, why did Eric B leave Kansas city to go coach the offense in Washington? So he could be the full-time offensive coordinator there. Um, Because every year he would go into these head coaching interviews and they'd be like, you do not even call your own (laughs) plays," You know, like, so I I think there is some attractiveness there where, you know, if in another situation it might not be as, You know, it's like, Ryan, why did Ryan Neilson leave New Orleans? He was already a defensive coordinator. So why did he leave? Because he got to be a defensive coordinator on Arthur Smith's staff. And it went well, even though his head coach got fired. He was able to snag a job very quickly with a playoff caliber Jacksonville team that obviously fell off the face of the earth late in the season. But it's still a, you know, I think it's going to be an attractive pick to, to get back to the postseason next year. So, like, this idea, like, da being maybe a lamb duck coach if if he gets fired this season it's not helpful but it's also it's not disqualifying in a lot of ways it's just going to come down to what offers are they considering you know like again like like shane Waldron if it came down to the saints and the bears the team with the number one overall pick and you can be like you you want caleb williams because he's yours if you want him (laughs) you know that's a pretty good sales pitch um but not every team has that, you know, like, you know, what about the Titans? You know, they got to hire an offensive coordinator for Brian Callahan, but he's probably going to be the play calling offensive coordinator. So is that better? You know, uh, it Tennessee, right? Like, I I don't think they have a ton of weapons. They don't really have an established quarterback. Maybe you go with Will Levis, you feel good about him. I don't know. So, yeah, I think, I think the saints will be fine. It's just the question of how long does this take? How dragged out does it get? And then, does it impact some of your offseason decision-making? So we'll see over the next couple of weeks uh, how quickly this goes. But I think, you know, if it's, I, I do think you're kind of getting it. I think you had an A pool, which is the coaches you could interview back when your season ended. Right. And now you're getting into the B pool, which is the coaches you can interview now that their season has ended. And then a few, few more names like Mike Sullivan was a guy you could have interviewed back then uh, because the Steelers were out after the wildcard round but you waited until now. And so I think that's a sign that some of the names have come off your board and you're and you're, look, and you're broadening your search. And, and the funny thing is, like, I want to come out with a – I have a whole off-season plan that I've been waiting to kind of throw out, but I do want to wait to see who the offensive coordinator is going to be before, like, I finalize that plan because that's going to impact it, right? It's got to. Yeah, for sure. And you brought up the senior bowl, and
0: obviously with that cranking up next week, it is going to be interesting. Are they – are they going to get somebody in place for that event?
1: I, you know, it, it's funny. I don't think the head coach, I'm sorry, the offensive coordinator is as important in that as Jeff Ireland is. Right.
0: I got you there. Uh,
1: and and I don't know, have the have the Chargers hired a GM?
0: Uh, that's a good question.
1: No. So they. I don't think they have. So I, I got confused because the Raiders hired Tom Telesco, who that was, it, was right? the Chargers GM. That's why I was kind of crossing wires in my head. So to me, that's a big difference. If suddenly your scouting director doesn't work for you anymore, you know, like, like, so who, if Jeff Ireland does leave, is it Michael Parenton? Who do you put into that role? Because, because I think that's a significant difference in terms of your senior bowl, um, like exploits. Cause like I, you're, you're getting a look, but it's, you know, it's going to be position coaches. It's going to be scouts who are there and you can, you know, you know that information is going to be available. You can watch that, that stuff back. Um, but like your, your scouting director is in charge of all of it. So that's, that, that kind of leaves you in limbo. But yeah, I, I mean, I think you would like to have him in place, but I don't think you have to. Right. It's um, not like
0: this desperate need of, oh my gosh, we need this guy in mobile next week
1: you're not going to hire someone you're not hundred percent sold on just to have him in place. Yeah. Um, it's kind of what I'm saying now, if you are, if you do have like a home run hire and you feel like you got it, then I'll by all means get it done as quickly as possible. But I think, you know, I I kind of, the, the indication to me is you don't have that yet. Um, it's weird to me. You see obviously some meetings happening and then you
0: see some are just zoom calls. So I wonder what's the deal with that. Is it, just because of somebody's maybe schedule or uh, just curious on how that works out. What what deems an in-person visit and what is just a Zoom call? That's
1: a good question. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I do think scheduling is a lot to do with it, right? Like, I would imagine. I think there's instances where you're you're kind of testing the waters and then if it's something you do want to move on, it's when you get the second interview and it is more in-person or if there's someone that you feel really good about and you just bring them in for the first time. But yeah, I mean, I think Zoom is something that became a thing over COVID during COVID. And now it's just like, sometimes it's just more convenient, particularly if it's a coach that is still, you know, like a Clint Kubiak, right. Who is still uh, in dealing with playoff game uh, this weekend. Right. I think that uh, makes it a little bit more um, suitable for zoom rather than asking this guy to fly all the way to new Orleans or you go out to Santa Clara randomly on a Tuesday just right. to talk to a guy who may or may not be even interested in your job, or at least like to the point that it's it's worth, you know, jamming. Right, up so that game.
0: right that case zooms a nice feeler out to see what you know what
1: vibe yeah. you get from him Yeah, now head coach interview I think is a little more intensive, uh, right? And so uh, that that that's a little bit bigger request for me. But all right, let's wrap up this segment, um, and we'll come back and we'll get into the mock drafts uh, that we we teased earlier. We're gonna start with Steve's which is only a first-round mock draft, and we're going to go into mine in the final segment, which is a two-round mock draft. And and trust me when I say I know very little about these second-round prospects. We are way too early in the process, but I think there's some interesting decisions we can get into. So this is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He is Steve Geller. We will be right back. On Inside Black and Gold, I am Jeff Nowak. He is Steve Geller, and we are going to get into the mock drafts. And so hold on while I share my screen here. i have it popped up. If you're listening to this and you want to eat the actual board, it's uh, displayed up to our left here. I'm going to go through all of these picks and kind of identify, okay, what's weird? What, what, what do we think is realistic? What's not? Yeah. We use pro football focus. So, you know, one, one of the themes of pro football focus is clearly not a huge Jaden Daniels fan in terms of whatever algorithm they're using, because in both of these mock drafts, he fell not just out of the top three, but well out of the top three. And so, I joke with
0: you when I fired it up the first time, boom, pick number 14,
1: Jaden Daniels was still on the board. I'm like, I can't do this. Yeah, it's, it's weird. Cause like the, the idea that I, you know, one of the reasons that I like to do these mock drafts is not necessarily to be right every time. Or to but like you get like a Ooh.
0: bubble of like players that are available.
1: Yeah, it's just to kind of make decisions, and every time it's a little different. And so he's like, "Well, I kind of want an offensive tackle, but this guy's here." <laughs> but like th- th- it, leaving it as Jaden Daniels, like, of course, if Jaden Daniels got to 14, you would draft Jaden Daniels. <laughs> like, th- that's not even worth talking about. But he's not going to get to 14, and if he does, that means that he probably like broke his leg at the combine or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> we don't need to go through that. Maybe. But it is going to be interesting, and over the course of the next month, it's like at this point last year, I was able to. I think our first mock draft, I was able to get Anthony Richardson at 22, and then, and I was like, yeah, of course, I'm taking Anthony Richardson at 22. He ended up going what number four. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, it's 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 kind of annoying. So we didn't we redid it, and he went in a more reasonable spot. Um, but so the one of the interesting things in this mock is Drake may went number one overall over Caleb Williams. And I do think it's going to be interesting because you're, you're talking about a team like last year, I think midway through the process, I was like, I think CJ Stroud is the number one overall pick. And I would be taking CJ Stroud, but everyone was like, nah, it's going to be Bryce young. And the Panthers went with Bryce young, but that doesn't mean it's the right pick just because it's the popular pick. And you can make the same argument about Caleb Williams. Like, did his teammates go to his birthday party? Have we do we know? <laughs> uh, that's a great
0: question. But yeah, with with Caleb, I've, I've even seen like people questioning could could Jaden Daniels even be that number one spot.
1: But PFF does not believe that. <laughs> no, PFF is clearly, and, and it is that's why we. You know, I think maybe we do next time we'll use a different uh, service to see if maybe right. these boards vary. Um, but yeah, I mean, Caleb Williams, uh, you know, there's gonna be some weirdos out there. Like, right? everybody buddy paints his nails. He does paint his nails. It's Just kind of, you know, self-expression. I guess. I go. think it
0: was that gets a demerit. Knock him down the board.
1: Yeah, basically, you know, if there, I kind of have a rule. If it's like if Joe, if Cole Beasley doesn't like something, it's probably the side you don't want to be on, <laughs> right? Like if, if it's like if I see Cole Beasley on Twitter. Being like, oh, what a weirdo. I'm like, yeah, this is a good safe place to be is opposite of whatever Cole Beasley is arguing for. (laughs) Sounds like me Uh, and my
0: NFL picks.
1: Yeah, so we'll see. I bet Cole Beasley wouldn't draft Caleb Williams number one overall, because he's a weirdo. Uh, Anyway, so yeah, Drake May number one, Caleb Williams number two. I I think most people agree that that's going to be one and two, and in large part because... You know, I think Washington really needs a quarterback. The thing that doesn't make sense to me here is the Patriots not taking a quarterback. Right, who Um, the hell's throwing to Marvin Harrison Jr., right? Yeah, like you're going with Mac Jones? No, I'm sorry. I think it's more likely that the Bears trade down to number three if they're not taking Caleb Williams than take Drake May, which would make a ton of sense. They would net a bunch of assets, and then they could take Marvin Harrison Jr. Patriots could go get Caleb Williams, for their new quarterback, whoever it is. Or I'm sorry, Jamar Drod is their new quarterback. I'm sorry, their new their new head coach. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, like, I don't think this is how it's gonna go, even if Drake May is the first quarterback off the board. I don't think it's gonna be the Bears picking them, but we're not doing trades. Either way, I, I think the first four picks are interesting. And number four, you have Malik <laughs> Neighbors from LSU going off the board, which you know that's pretty high too. But there's a lot, a couple interesting wide receivers in this in this draft. Uh, Arizona. Uh, what's his name? The QB there will, would love to have a, another weapon
0: uh, at wide receiver, uh, like a, a Malik Neighbors. And from all things, uh, I guess we can glean from things is they're going to stick with
1: uh, Kyler Murray. What's his Kyler Murray? Kyler Thank you, Murray. Mr. Duty at quarterback over there. He had a really good finish to the season, right? And he was a number one overall pick. Like you, you paid him a ton of money. Uh, the, the, they're going to want to stick with them if they can, if it's not a complete teardown. And, you know, I don't think, I think they had a decent finish to the season relative. Like they always knew that it was going to be a really tough start with Kyler not being out there. Um, so I don't, I don't think that they're going to hold that against him. And Arizona was
0: kind of like the Texans, whereas the
1: fact that they were a
0: pesky little team that they didn't quit on games and was always a problem.
1: Yeah, Jonathan Gannon. You know, uh, it, it first year head coach. They, he got he had him playing hard. Like you can't you can't look right. at that team and say they didn't play hard. They just I think they're at a talent deficit, and so it would make sense to get Kyler Murray that weapon and Malik Neighbors. Um, so number five, Brock Bowers, first tight end off the board. Pretty high. You know, I I still you know it, it's hard for me to really believe that a tight end is going to go in the top five, but I guess if there was ever one, it would be eh. Brock sure. Bowers, um, Joe Alt from Notre Dame, which sounds like, it sounds like a keyboard shortcut. Right. Uh Is the first tackle off the board. And then this is one that, you know, I, I think every year, I think people get a little overhyped about wide receivers and they have them way high up the board and then they end up dropping a little bit. I feel like Romeo Dunze is going to be like, I don't know. Maybe I just don't know Romeo Dunze enough. Maybe I didn't watch him enough, but I didn't, when I watched him play, I didn't see a guy who was a top 10 NFL draft pick. And like that's not to say I don't like Romeo Dunze a lot, but you're talking about number six overall for a guy who played in the Pac 12 and didn't win the Balletnica, or did he win the Bletnikov? Who won the Bletnikov? Oh, Marvin Harrison Jr. won it. Like, I don't know. Like, to me, that's real high. Number seven overall for for a guy who you could say it's like, well, who made who made the receiver? Was it Michael Penix? Did he make Maya Dunze look better than he was against Pac 12 competition? Maybe. I don't know. I just think. Like, like Justin Jefferson was a number 22 overall pick. Yeah, that's, that's number seven for a wide receiver feels really high to me.
0: No, I, I agree with you there. I, I don't think it's anything that mind-blowing, eye-popping that he does that really
1: stands out to garner that high of a pick. I mean, he's like – he, he, I think he's Keenan Allen in the NFL, right? Like he's that type of receiver – he is big. He's six three, right? He's two sixteen. Maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I am. My maybe I have a pac twelve bias. That's probably yeah. what's going on. Um, but we'll see. Uh, keep him going down. So this is where Jaden Daniels goes. Sorry, he goes Saints number eight fans. to the right. Falcons. <laughs> How do you feel about that?
0: Yeah, I saw that, and I'm like, of course, that's what happens in my mock draft. I uh, would hate to see it. Obviously, makes a ton of sense for Atlanta,
1: though. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. This is a steal for Atlanta. Absolutely. Um, it makes me wonder if this is a scenario. Like, I don't want to see the Saints trade up because I don't think they're in a position where they should feel like trading up is the best option. But if the Titans aren't sold on a wide receiver here and that's who they're looking at and they, they think we can trade down and still get this guy, maybe the Saints try to jump. The, like, the Saints aren't going to trade with the Falcons. But could no. they jump the Falcons? Like, This is the range where, yeah. I, where I consider it. I still don't think it's likely. But this is the range where I'm like, I could I go up to seven? What do I have to give up to get to seven and and get Jade? Uh and I don't know. I don't know how much the Saints like, like Jaden Daniels, but I think you should. Uh um, I don't know if he would be available at seven. Uh, but if there's I was still somebody, don't think he's getting out of the top three.
0: Right, right, exactly. But if there was somebody they were that interested in, I could see, yeah, leapfrogging the Falcons and you know pulling one over on them would
1: make a lot of sense. I just don't know what you're moving up to get. And, and it is interesting because, you know, if the Bears don't want to take a quarterback and they trade down to number three. So you do have those like, right. top two go. But so if 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 the Bears don't take a quarterback, where where who's the next team that could take a quarterback? I think the Cardinals are fine with with Kyler. The Chargers aren't drafting a quarterback. They got Herbert. Right. The Giants, how sold are you on Daniel Jones? I think that's maybe number six is where they picked Daniel Jones. So clearly you know that's not something outside their their wheelhouse, but it was a different GM at that point. It was uh, yeah. gentleman. So yeah, I mean, realistically, if the if no one trades up, then yeah, I could see him getting to eight. I have a hard time seeing him getting past, you know, the Jets at ten, right? Um, so or even the Falcons at eight. I think that's probably the you know if 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 Jaden Daniels dropped to eight and the Falcons didn't take him, I would just be like lose all faith in that organization. <laughs> Yeah.
0: It'd be like, when, uh, even if they, you know, I've seen the rumors already, they're going to, you know, sign Belichick and pair him up with the Kirk cousins. You still need your quarterback in the future because cousins yeah. is up there in age.
1: Yeah. And, and, and I mean, the Falcons have assets, like they're not a team that's traded a bunch of future picks. So yeah. you know they'll be able to add pieces too. And they're going to have a high second rounder. Um, so we'll see, you know, number nine, Cooper DeJean. you know, taking the Jason Seahorn mantle. White cornerbacks, right? Uh, which I don't know where was where was Jason Seahorn drafted. I'm curious,
0: I don't know, but I was surprised to see uh, that high.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I didn't watch a ton of Iowa, but Iowa was right. you know, one of those teams that you know played defense and did nothing else. <laughs> so, uh, you, you know, we'll see. I mean, it's 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 impressive for for him. Uh, Richard Mendenhall would be would would have some thoughts, probably. Um based, you know, uh, but anyway, Taliese Fuaga uh to the Jets at number 10. This is where the, you know, this is where the offensive tackles start coming off the board. And I think it's if you're not trading up for a quarterback, but you are feeling like, okay, you've already seen one offensive tackle come off the board, ten and eleven, you know, you're you're kind of feeling like, Man, I really like one of these two guys, and I and I desperately need a tackle to rebuild my tackle depth. Maybe this is where you swing a trade because it's going to cost you, but it's not going to cost you that much to go up from fourteen to maybe ten. Right, you can manage uh, that. So, and and if you don't feel like that guy's going to get to you, Dallas Turner, Alabama edge rusher at twelve to the Broncos. Um, so the 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 other offensive tackle, I guess I'll try to say his name is Ola 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 Maiwa Fashanu out of Penn State. Um, then, yeah, ten eleven back to back tough tough names. Yeah. Uh, Jerzon, Jerzon Newton, uh, interior defensive lineman from Illinois. And then we get to number 14. So what is the, what is the song? Uh, then then Yeah, there you go. Well, who do you pick?
0: Uh, with the 14th overall pick in the draft, the new Orleans Saints Select Jared verse out of Florida state 6'4, 260. Uh, hopefully bringing that mean back to that defensive line, that needs help there, obviously, getting to the quarterback. We know Cam's getting up in age. So many failed attempts at another edge rusher, hopefully, versus the man and not from a, a school that everyone's scratching their head
1: going, from where? <laughs> yeah, that's only, the only problem I have with this pick is that he's not out of, like, South Central Indiana by way of Hartford or, you know, like, something like that. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, Florida State, what are you talking about? We know too yeah. much about him. Yeah. Um, No, I can't hate this pick. If the Saints ended up, you know, we did the positions of need thing the other day, and I put edge rusher in green just because you have a lot of names and you just need them to deliver. I still wouldn't, I would be completely fine if they took an edge rusher at number 14 because, man, I would love to see, you know, because for for a couple reasons. One, you know, he's the number two edge rusher off the board, right? You're not talking about the fourth or fifth rated guy. This would be either your first or second rated edge rusher And uh, you're just saying, you know what? I'm tired of these experiments. I'm tired of these projects. We're going to get a blue chip defensive end and have him That's exactly my thinking. (laughs) You know, and, and like you could say, yeah, I mean, you really still want to see something out of Peyton Turner. You feel good about Carl Granderson developing over time, but I would still be perfectly fine with, with this. And, and, and so you, you did see those tackles come off the board, right? And the, that's kind of where. I, if one of these tackles got to you, I would probably feel differently. I don't think you're going to draft a cornerback in the first. You saw, you know, Laitu Latu at the UCLA. A lot of tough names in this draft. Sure. Terrian right. Arnold, cornerback at Alabama, goes to the Colts. Uh, and then we can kind of go through some of the other names here. But now I, I, I can't hate that pick.
0: Well, you mentioned tackle uh, coming off a few picks later was Latham from Alabama, who was a consideration.
1: Yeah, J.C. Latham, he went 18 to the Bengals. I don't know. I'm not sold on him. Kool-Aid McKinstry, another cornerback. I don't think you're taking a cornerback in the first round. I agree. Um, I don't think this is the year you do it. Nate Wiggins out of Clemson went to the Jags at 17. Uh, another tackle, Amarius Mims, went to Georgia. I'm sorry, went to Pittsburgh out of Georgia. Troy Franklin, the wide receiver out of Oregon, went to the Dolphins. Braylon Trice, This is he's another edge rusher I've seen people looking at for the Saints. Brian Thomas Jr. No, Kamel Kuyper put out a mock draft and had Brian Thomas Jr. going to the saints at 14. I thought yeah, that was, was a was bit a high. high. Yeah. I definitely. also don't, I also don't see Brian, like BC, the saints is particularly wide receiver needy right now. I think that you're going to see a lot more mock drafts put wide receiver on the saints because I don't think they have much respect for Rashid Chaheeter or, or AT Perry, but I think internally there is a lot of respect for Rashid Chaheeter and AT Perry. So I don't think they're going to make a need pick for a wide receiver unless, like, again, like if a, if a Dunze, right? He's not a number seven overall pick, but maybe he is the 14th overall pick if he gets there. But uh, he went to the, the Texans at number 23. And man, the Texans just get scarier and scarier every time you see him make a pick. <laughs> yeah. To me, at 14,
0: I would definitely consider a Brock Bowers if you're talking wide receiver oh, there, yeah. just because he fills that dual need of the of the tight end, obviously, and a pass catcher. And I think that would be a
1: great pick at 14. He's also the only tight end that has come off the board, right? Yeah, um, for sure. To this point, Ennis Rakestraw Jr. is a heck of a name. <laughs> uh, Missouri cornerback going to the Cowboys. Leonard Taylor III, Miami uh, defensive tackle, going to the Packers. Then Jordan Morgan, another tackle, going to the Bucks. Yeah. A lot of 26. tackles. There are a lot of tackles. Chris Braswell, edge rusher, going to the Cardinals. And then Devontez Walker, wide receiver out of North Carolina, going to the Bills. Ladd McConkey, you know, Georgia wide receiver. I I don't know if I'm if I'm sold on Ladd McConkey as a first round pick, but a lot of people <laughs> have Ladd McConkey as a first round pick. And I just feel like he's a he's one of those guys who's just like he's played for Georgia for so long. That you're just like, yeah, he wins games, and right, you know, I just like, like he, there's so much talent, and this is why like the the prospects right now are hard to grade, and this is why the combine and the senior bowl are so important because, uh, you know, Georgia wide receivers like it matters who you line up against, and it matters what the defense has to focus on, and and what defense is focusing on Lad McConkey, so can he can he make plays a lot easier knowing that Brock Bowers is in that offense then you know is he like a first round pick a first round wide receiver guy is expected to be a wide receiver one right is Vlad McConkie a wide receiver one in the nfl i don't know i mean you're talking about number 29 so you're talking about a fringe second round pick so maybe you know you're talking about the chiefs they can make it work pat mahomes has done a lot more with a lot less um but i don't know we'll see
0: uh as we round things out here with with my first round it just Really surprising uh, to me, a glaring name left off is is Michael Penix.
1: Michael Penix, yeah, I, I think he is a second round pick. Bo Nix also didn't go in this mock, right? Right, um, exactly. So, so you I saw just, one tight end, right, and 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 only three quarterbacks. So I don't think there's any way in hell that happened. I think both Penix and Nix are first rounders. I I, I don't know. I don't know. I think once you get past like once you get to like the late. You know, like, so one of the issues with with getting a quarterback picked late is the teams that pick late are typically teams that don't need a quarterback. Right, exactly. So you figure so maybe like, someone trades back in. Yeah, r- right. That could happen. But, like, the Ravens aren't picking a quarterback. 49ers aren't picking a quarterback. Lions aren't picking a quarterback. Chiefs aren't picking a quarterback. Bills aren't picking a quarterback. Cardinals, when yeah. now we're back to 27, this is going back from the end of the draft. Yeah, right. We're at 27. Cardinals didn't pick a quarterback at four. I don't think they're picking a quarterback at 27. Bucks. Made- Bucks now you're talking. Yeah, I could see the Bucks going with a Knicks or a Penix here. But, yeah, I mean, I I, I think it's possible they get out. I mean, two years ago, I, I was convinced there wasn't a first-round quarterback and only Kenny Pickett went off, and I don't think anyone still thinks Kenny Pickett is a first-round quarterback. So sometimes, <laughs> like, it, everyone wants to convince themselves that the quarterbacks in the draft are good enough, right. and sometimes they're not. Yeah. Like, the best quarterback in that draft was Brock, ba- Brock Brock Purdy. So I don't know.
0: but Yeah, and I know, obviously, the attraction of a first-round QB2 is off the, that extra year.
1: But, Yeah, but, like, it's, it's like, that that fifth-year option is so expensive that a lot of times it doesn't make sense to pick it up anyway, a quarterback. No, so, um, yeah,
0: it, it, it is curious. I, I just find it uh, pretty amusing that, there, yeah, there was only three
1: quarterbacks drafted in the first round here. Yeah, and they, and one of them fell. So, yeah, I mean, like, I just think it's funny because, like, two years ago everyone was, like, convincing themselves, trying to talk themselves into Malik Willis. And, like, at the Senior Bowl everyone was like, ah, oh, Malik Willis looks so good. But-
0: well, I, I feel like a lot of folks are trying to talk J.J. McCarthy into the first round, and I'm like, get
1: out of here. Come on. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that to <laughs> yourself. But no, I, I think this is a, I think this is interesting, and I, I kind of like doing it this way because this 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 segment we focused a lot on the first-round picks, and we're going to end up talking about a lot of the same players in the next segment, but we can kind of skip a little past them because, like, I don't need to give you my Romea Dunze take again. Right. Uh, and then we can get into some of the second-round guys, and, like, Bo Nicks, Michael Penix are in the second round of that draft. So that'll be a good way to kind of break up some of the stuff we're talking about. But is there anything else you want to you wanna note uh, before we move on to the next one?
0: No, just the fact that obviously, you know, this is our, our first one. And uh, it does make things difficult, somewhat, you know, off skew when you look at where they have someone like a Jaden Daniels going in this draft. Because I just don't believe he gets out the top five.
1: Well, we'll see. I mean, that's, that's the thing is like, that's where, like I think quarterbacks more than any other position are impacted by <laughs> the combine and, yeah. and some of these pro days, because it's really, you know, like you can, you, you, every offense is different and you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like uh like we talked to um this is different, but it's similar. Darren Rizzi always says like, you know, when you look at kickers in college, like, like Blake groupie, for instance, it's really not worth looking at their stats because the way you kick in college is completely different than what do you do as an NFL kicker. And like the process is different. Like the, the coaching isn't as good. The expectations aren't as high. Um, And I think that's kind of like, particularly for the quarterback position, it's a lot more about your processing and how you react to certain situations. And you aren't always presented with those situations in college, you know? Like, so I think that in in that like and it's part of the process that people don't see. And so I think that's why a lot of times it's not thought of as as important as it is, but like those interviews with quarterbacks are hugely important. You know, and sometimes it can it can talk you out of a guy that you should take like CJ Stroud because everyone's talking about his his uh you know those testing that like sec- next second whatever the test scores and all this and then he gets to the NFL and it's like clearly those were not very a good indicator of his future success. So we'll we'll see, but I agree. I think Jaden is going to grade out very well in a lot of these things.
0: Yeah. uh, Like you said, it's going to have to be some kind of serious injury or other God forbid, legal troubles that suddenly pop up for Daniels that make him fall. It's just not, don't see that happening.
1: Or maybe he has little baby hands like, like like Joe Burrow and Pat Mahomes. (laughs) Burrow still went one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although Kenny Pickett, Kenny Pickett might, like Joe Burrow was so good that it didn't matter. Same with Pat <laughs> Mahomes. But Kenny Pickett, who I think it was like, he wears two gloves for a reason, guys. Anyway, all right. Let's 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 wrap up this second. We'll come back. We'll dive into my mock draft, which is first and second round. So we'll spend a bit more time in that one talking about the second round and, and some guys that I think are interesting. But all right. Who that This is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak, He's Steve Geller. We will be right back. We're back on inside black and gold. I'm Jeff Noak. He's Steve Geller, and to my right, to my left, whichever I always I can never tell. I'm looking at myself in a mirrored thing, and uh, to my side here is my mock draft. It looks the same, but it's different. And you can tell from the top that it's different because mine has Caleb Williams going number one overall. I also did the second round in this, so we'll spend a, we'll spend less time on the first round than we did on Steve's, but we'll spend a little bit more time on the second round. But, yeah, so you can see here uh, – Yeah, quite a run on wide receivers different. there. Yeah, that like that was about to say. So, <laughs> Caleb Williams went number one. Drake May went number two. I think that's a lot more likely than Drake May going number one. I think if Drake May – I'm sorry, if Caleb Williams doesn't go number one, it's because the Bears are trading down. And whoever wanted Drake May traded up. Anyway, but, the again, the Patriots don't take a quarterback at number three. So, PFF, pro football focus, does not love Jaden Daniels as much but as – they love uh, Mac Jones. Yes, they do love Mac Jones. And it, and it's interesting because, you know, maybe, maybe there, you know, I, I do think that there is a, there's a possibility that we in Louisiana are more in love with Jaden Daniels than, than maybe the landscape at large. You know, obviously he is, he won the Heisman. There's a lot of respect there, but maybe we are overvaluing Jaden Daniels. It's possible. You know, we've all kind of come to terms with the idea that he's going to be a top three pick, top five pick. Who knows? Maybe we're wrong and we're too close to the project, but going we'll forward. See. So like, like you mentioned in the top five of this draft, you see an immediate run on wide receivers. You see Malik neighbors go number three to the Patriots. Dunze goes even higher in this draft, number four to the Cardinals. And then Marvin Harrison jr. Goes number five to the chargers. I don't think I've ever seen three wide receivers go off the board in the top five before. And I don't think you're going to see it this year. So I'm not, I'm not sure I, I buy this PFF mock draft. But I think it is interesting. Like, there are years you don't see a wide receiver go off the board until, like, the mid-20s. And clearly there's a lot of love for these wide receivers. And I, I understand why. They're all very good. But I don't believe that this is considered, like, an
0: elite wide receiver class like we've seen in the floor. That's the past. That's why I'm just surprised to see, especially right here, bam, 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 and the top 5 is pretty uh
1: pretty outlandish there PFF. I'm curious. Well, I do think this so this isn't so I think a good year 2022 was probably the best wide receiver class that I've ever seen, which is a year like Chris Olave, um uh, Drake London, Jameson Williams, uh you know, Jahan Dotson, a few other guys. You know, I think there was five wide receivers that came off the board in the first round. This isn't quite as good as that, but I do think this top 3 is as good as it gets. Um, I think Malik neighbors is legit, a top five caliber receiver. Um, I have, again, I have questions about me at We'll see. And Marvin Harrison jr. I don't think is it, you know, he won the Blitnikoff. I think it's, I think he's a good example of a guy again, like Alad McConkie like that we talked about. It's like, is Marvin Harrison really that good? Or is he just play on Ohio, for Ohio state, you know, and, and Malik neighbors, I think I've seen him do it over multiple seasons. Marvin's been very good for a long time too. Uh, but we'll see. I, I I, just think every year it's like you need at least one Ohio statewide receiver in the top 10. Uh, and and then he's it this year. I think he's going to be very, very good. Um, but I think th- to me, the only the only leg- legit top five wide receiver is Malik. But again, I'm a homer. So
0: no, I'm seeing this too. And right afterward, there's our boy Cooper DeJean
1: again. And I got to I got to do some more scouting on Iowa football, clearly. Yeah, I don't watch much Iowa. I need to talk to to Mike <laughs> Triplett or uh Zach Jack Heflin, two Iowa guys. Uh but no, I have heard about Cooper. Again, it's it's tough. And uh, but yeah, he top cornerback off the board is that's pretty impressive for anybody. Yeah. We'll see. And again, these are just like that's the problem with doing these early mock drafts is I just don't know enough about these guys. Like I maybe watched one Iowa game all year and I didn't stare at Cooper DeJean the whole time. And and defensive backs are tough because if you're really good, people don't throw at you, so you don't even get to see it. Uh, in a lot of instances, but um, Joe Walt again is the first tackle off the board. Uh, Brock Bowers falls here and the Falcons do another the same thing end. again and take <laughs> another tight end rather than a quarterback. And if the only reason I think this is a possibility is because they've done it before <laughs> uh, with Kyle Pitts. But you know, maybe they want to do that dual tight end thing. I don't know. Uh, this this mock draft is kind of all over the place. I'm not I'm sure I'm that it.
0: it's pretty wild.
1: Uh, you know, and then you have uh, Jahan Newton going to number nine to the Bears. Nate Wiggins, cornerback from Clemson, going to the Jets at ten. Then finally, Ugh. the Vikings take Jaden Daniels at number eleven. Man, now I would be stunned if he got here, but if he got to eleven again, like I said, if he got to eight, I would be considering trading up to seven. <laughs> if he's there at number ten, and the Jets aren't planning to pick a quarterback, man, hey, 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 Jets land. You mind, you want to, you want to, you want to, you want to, you want to trade, uh, trade, 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 trade back. You want to, you want to try you wanna see what happens. Yeah. Let's I would it. think definitely Mickey's picking up the phone for show. I mean, they do have, uh, Aaron Rogers, who's definitely going to play for, for a long, long time. So, uh, maybe they're just tired of drafting quarterbacks and they're like, we can't, we can't do it again. <laughs> How many times, um, Rogers may last two games this this coming year. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I think it's possible, but either way, this one's interesting. Cause again, like you said last time, this time, this draft has Bo Nix going at number 12 to the Broncos, right? which, you know, maybe I, I it's really a question of who, who Sean Payton loves, right? I yeah. could see them drafting a quarterback. I could see them drafting one of these two guys. If he drafts Michael Penix or, yeah, you know, they're both West coast guys. So it's like, they're in that general area. Maybe they, uh, maybe they've gotten a good chance to really scout them closer than some other guys and they, and they like them. We'll see. But. I also don't think Sean Payton has a great track record of drafting and developing quarterbacks. So hmm. yeah. Ma- main we'll one. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, and then this is wow, where, you know, it's interesting out. because you have all of these w- skill position players, you know, a cornerback tight end, three wide receivers uh, and, and uh, Jaden Daniels and Bo Nix, which does that pushes down all of these tackles. To Damn. right where you are. And so that allowed me to go get a uh, Taliesa Fuaga out of Oregon State. Now, you know, I, again, it's like this this early in the process. I don't really have a strong opinion between these three guys. There's three tackles in a row here. You have Alumiua, Fashanu, Talisi Fuaga, and JC Latham. The only one I'm sure I'm saying correctly is JC Latham. <laughs> uh, and I I would be fine with, like, to me, this is an idea pick. It's not necessarily this is the for sure better option. But if I get to this point and I have two of the top four tackles available to me, I'm picking one of them. And I'm saying thank you, John Payton, for taking Bo Nix instead of a guy who's going to have to protect him. Thank you, Atlanta, for taking a tight end instead of the offensive line or the quarterback. You know, thank you, Minnesota, for taking Jaden in eleven. Like, like I'm just saying I desperately need an offensive tackle. And I get my pick of two of the top five on the board. And I'm happy about it. Uh so that's that's why I went with that pick. It's
0: kind of funny too in this mock, the guys with the two tough names to say are back to back again.
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs> I need to learn how to say a alumy alomiwa, Illumina. Sounds like you're doing it right. Yeah, I have no, but like Fush, Fush, Fushanu. Fush, yeah, I mean, that should be pretty straightforward. Fashanu or <laughs> Um, We'll find out. This is right. uh, early in the process. We have to see how Bobby pronounces these names. Oh, yeah. Um, all right. Let's just go quickly through the rest of the first round. Jared okay. versus so Jared versus was on the board, and I was tempted, but I just see the offensive tackle need as glaring. Yeah, and, I get it. You know, if, if you're in love with Jared Verse and you want to go with him, that's great. But, I, you know, you can rush the pass for all you want if you can't protect your own. It's going to be a long year. <laughs> Khalid McKinstry to the Rams at 19. Terry and Arnold to the Steelers at 20. Chris I'm Braswell to the Dolphins. Alabama players. At 21, yeah. Nice three Alabama players in a row here. Uh, Marius Mims tackle uh, goes to the Eagles. Braylon Trice, edge rusher, goes to the Texans. Kamari Lasseter goes to the Cowboys. Brian Thomas Jr. again, this is about the same, uh, to the Packers at 25. Troy Franklin, wide receiver, goes to the Bucks. There's Ennis Rakestraw goes to the Cardinals. Jordan Morgan, tackle, goes to the Bills at 28. Devontae Walker to the Chiefs at 29. Then a couple others, you know, no one super notable. Cameron Kitches, Graham Barr, and Joan Ellis off the board, final three, um, so yeah, any any thoughts before we move on to the second round? No, just seeing here again, too. Very tackle heavy. Yes. Yes. I mean, that's that's what you get. That's why ta- that's why the tackle position is so hard to rebuild because it's so rare that you find a starting tackle in the on day two or three.
0: Right. It's
1: so difficult to do because there's only so many 315, 320 pound guys who can run around that exist, not just like that play the NFL that exist on the planet. Like there's just not that many of them. And when they, and when you find them, (laughs) you, you draft them early. Uh, so I just like, that's why I like, you know, I feel like you do, you maybe, maybe you do need to eat it add a piece of, uh, maybe you do need to add a piece at edge rusher, but I feel like I can do that in the second round. I don't feel like I can find a starting caliber offensive tackle in the second round. Um, maybe you trade back because there are a handful of these tackles. Maybe you have a really high grade on a Jordan Morgan at Arizona, right? Or or but, Graham Barton. Even joked, Mickey and even joked when the hell is he traded back? Yeah, ha- I don't think he ever has. I don't <laughs> think he ever has. Um, but you, it is interesting because you don't have a third round pick this year, and right. so maybe you do if you can get an extra second or even a third, drop back a couple spots and stuff like you can get the value on a guy. I would love for the Saints to do that. I think they should do that, but I don't think they will. All right. Let's uh let's go over to the second round. I don't have the full second round here, but I have you know everything up to where the Saints pick. Right. Um and so, you know, we talked about him. We talked about Ladd McConkie. He goes off the board first to the Panthers, number thirty three overall. He can learn at the of Adam Thielen. Um Good. Leonard Taylor, Quinion Mitchell, Keon Coleman, uh, first four off the board safety, Tyler Newbin, And this is where, you know, when I talked about this, I think slot corner is a huge need for the saints. I think you, I really want to see them go into this draft and just find, go, go, go scout a guy who can play the slot and draft a guy who can play the slot. Like you did with CJ and make that his home, make him own that position. Right. Uh, and, and so that's what I'm looking at in this draft. That's what I want to do in this draft. It's still too early to really get an idea of who that might be. So i went with the obvious pick, but we'll go. So wide receiver Keon Coleman, Florida state. There's some interesting wide receiver options. Adonai Mitchell out of Texas goes to the Titans at 38. He might be a guy you're interested in. Michael Penix goes at 39 to the giants. So if you are in love with Michael Penix, you maybe be able to get him in the second round, but that's, right. that's a tough scenario. I don't know. Uh, Kalen King, cornerback out of Penn state goes to the commanders. You're getting close to your pick. Now another tackle goes to the Packers. Kiran Amagaji, Kalen Bullock safety goes to the Vikings, JJ McCarthy, another quarterback off the board. The Falcons prop finally picked their quarterback and it's JJ McCarthy. Good luck with that. Yeah. Like you haven't learned your lesson with Desmond Ritter. Just like go draft a quarterback in the first round or stop talking to me about it. Um, <laughs> TJ Tampa, a guy who I was interested in for the Saints, uh, although not a slot guy, goes off at forty-four. Yeah, but but I think you know it's it's is this is where you kind of ha- you're splitting the difference of college slot cornerbacks don't necessarily translate to NFL slot cornerbacks. Um, so I think a big part of this process in finding a slot corner is not necessarily going and finding the best college slot corner; it's finding the best corner who can play the slot. Yeah, I uh, understand. But for this pick. I am just, I'm just reaching for Mike Sanders, still Michigan cornerback. He's won a ton of games. You've, you've seen him. He's played against the top competition, right? Uh, you know, and, and he's and he's, he is a tried and true slot cornerback. I know like from an athletic perspective, it's tougher. He's a little small for a, for a slot guy. You know, he can, he can move, but I don't know if he tackles in space well enough. He does cover. He can get upfield. He can blitz. Um, but he is like, if you're looking for the the prospects that have played slot corner and succeeded in slot, he's probably the best guy. Now, PFF gave me an F on this pick because PFF has him rated around number 80. But I'm not, I don't feel too bad about that because I'm pretty sure they gave me an F on Isaiah Foskey when I took him last year. <laughs> and so now is that the right pick? I don't know are the saints willing to reach for a guy in the second round that they think is a scheme fit and really like, and has won a bunch of games. Yes. <laughs> you did it last year. So I, I feel, I feel fine about that. Like, I don't think the, my issue is not like, Oh, PFF isn't giving me a good grade. I think, and I think personally, that is one of the issues I have with mock drafts is that people try to get an A grade when PFF doesn't have any clue what they're talking about when it comes to individual teams they're right. just grading based off their own board and whether you took a guy who they had seen as a higher a value. Trouble, right? Um, So like the, their grades don't really matter. They're just telling me that I picked Mike Sanders still about 40 picks earlier than they thought he should have been picked. But the Saints don't have a third rounder. So if you feel like this is a guy you really like, you, you don't have the luxury of saying like, well, maybe he's still there when we pick next time. Now you're not picking again until the fourth round, unless you trade up. Now I will say they have probably two, two or three fifth round picks coming in the comp pick formula. They might have a fourth yeah. round pick if it goes a certain way, but you know, so you could potentially package a bunch of those. I wouldn't be surprised if they package those comp picks, maybe a future pick, and try to move into the third round because you know we've seen the Saints be very successful in the third round of drafts. Um, but I'm not, you know, we're not going down that road right here. So right here, I'm just picking the guy. I feel really good about playing in the slot and, and saying, good, this is, these are my two biggest needs and I filled them. No,
0: you mentioned the slot and obviously that's something I hope this team, uh, is out to address because we've seen the experiment with Alante Taylor is just not happening. He's got to play outside. And then obviously that makes you wonder, are they gonna move Marshawn Lattimore? Because I don't think it's a Debo that's gonna be hitting the road. So do you have now a Debo and Taylor on the outside? And then who knows? Maybe you get some
1: obviously draft picks for Lattimore. You wouldn't be getting him for this year. If you're trading Marshawn, it'll be after June first. Okay. Because you of would that cap hit. Yeah, it's just an easier scenario if you hold on to him. Let me so let me look it up really quick
0: going to say that makes Um, it really interesting too because you would figure folks on draft time would be interested in wheeling and dealing for him
1: yeah they would but at the same time you know it's just it just doesn't make sense it it would cost you 30 million dollars in dead cap to trade him prior to june 1st
0: yeah that that's not happening
1: 30 million dollars yeah that's not that's that's no drop in the bucket obviously no (laughs) now if you trade him after june 1st your dead cap for 2024 is 13 million and then you would have big dead cap hit coming in 2025 but you can stomach that a little bit more because it's not hitting you all this year and so you can plan for it and to me that's the that's the most likely scenario it does get a bit confusing with the option bonus and you can trade that and i do think it it dumps that number down a little bit but again you're talking about a 28 year old corner and i think Teams as they, you know, I think cornerback is going to be a position that starts to be viewed from a financial perspective, a lot more like the running back position where you're just looking at guys who are about 28, 29 and no longer seeing them as in their prime. And like people are saying, oh, you're, you have prime Marshawn Lattimore, but 28, 29 is where you start to see cornerbacks really start to flag. Not, not, not as, not as abruptly as running backs, but you know, it's, 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 it's noticeable and Marshawn is still playing at a high level, but these last two years, you've got these injuries and it's like, man, if you can, you've made, you've had to make do without him and you've proven that you can, you played some of your best football the last, the last year without him. So I don't know. Uh, We'll see. We'll see how that goes, but one way or another, I want to get better in the slot and um we'll see but yeah you're now trading a debo you're gonna extend a debo and so yeah. that's this is kind of where i'm approaching it with this i'm kind of approaching this mock draft as, as expecting that they trade Marshawn. now they might not yeah,
0: And i think we kind of talked about a little there are maybe some in-house options like a yadam
1: or you know someone else that could end up filling that slot role yadam's not a slot corner um ugo maybe yeah, You might you might say, hey, Tyron, we're going to add a safety and have him more involved in the slot. I don't know. But I, again, my approach for this draft and why I went the way I did in this mock draft is because I am I miss C.J. Gardner-Johnson, right? A yeah, guy, for sure. You know, and, and it's funny because it's tough because you look at corners here and it's not always a corner that make the best slot corners. A lot of times it's safeties, which C.J. Gardner-Johnson yeah. was a safety. Exactly. But he never played safety he played slot corner. So, you know, it, safeties oftentimes are better tacklers, you know? So like, that's a big part of the market that I have not really looked at closely yet. Um, So that could be another name, but I'm, I'm going need in this draft. I, I get it. You want to go best player available, but sometimes need Trump's value in my opinion. Well, well and you mentioned what
0: safety to me, safety slash slot is definitely a need. Yeah. So that, yeah, that, that'd be interesting. Yeah. to, delve into you know draft you know all the information and just see who could like trans who, who could make that shift from safety to the slot because that that does make a lot of sense obviously
1: yeah yeah and now it doesn't have to be a lunatic like cj <laughs> it would help it maybe it does help i guess you have to be kind of a crazy person to want to cover tight ends all day and uh you know run up and make tackles on 220 pound running backs
0: no, and and of course, I'm not saying he did anything fantastic in that game, you know, the, the divisional round game for Detroit. But guess what? Right place, right time kind of guy and was there for the interception. Of course, it was C.J. Gardner-Johnson. And then he goes and taunts Baker Mayfield. You got to love it.
1: <laughs> That's what you got to do. You got to be that guy. Um, yeah. But man. all right, that's it. That's all I got here. Let's wrap up this podcast. I, every time I come on and say, let's keep it close <laughs> to 45 minutes this time because that's what our goal is every time is 15 minute segments, but it always ends up being three we half hour need some kind of alerts or alarms, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I'm never going to just stop talking when the time is up. It's a, it's a gift and a curse. Um, but all right, thanks everyone who got all the way to the end. Appreciate it. Um, this is our initial mock draft again, like these are going to change significantly. It's kind of just a jumping off point. So we'll go from there, but this is 1.0. Thanks for everyone for listening. You know, as we go forward, obviously we got the senior bowl coming up next week. I'll be driving out on Tuesday. We'll record an episode on Monday. And I think that'll be a good day to kind of get into, you know, what, what are some names to watch? What are some guys I'm looking at up there that particularly closely? you know, a couple years ago, it was Trevor Penning and, uh, Uh, You know, like there's always going to be, you know, Isaiah Foskey was there last year. Um, There's always going to be guys. So there's junior there for the first time this year now, right? I believe so. It's kind of weird. The senior bowl, but now juniors are allowed. I'm like, what? Yeah, it's just there's going to be so many. Bo Nix and Michael Penix are both there. Yeah. Which, you know, like I think this is a good year to really look at the quarterbacks because I think those guys – are fringe you know th- like those are the guys that you could take a shot at so Legitimate like last possibilities year without making a huge move right last year there was no one last year <laughs> it was like you know clayton toon and jay kaner i guess was there but like no one you're really looking oh, at closely oh uh, michael pratt will be there michael pratt will be there yeah i am you know a lot of people are giving him like a second round grade which wow is surprising like i like michael pratt
0: but right that seems a bit Extreme as well, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. But the we'll QB market, as we know, from draft to the you know salaries is w- ridiculous and unpredictable.
1: Yeah, and I don't think we'll hear from Mickey this year, but I wouldn't be surprised if maybe Michael Parenton talks. It'll be interesting. Because okay. last year was Jeff Ireland, but I don't know like wh- His who future knows? Jeff Jeff might have a new job by that point. Right. So who knows? We'll see. But dun, dun, dun. stay tuned. That'll be good. Yeah, I, I imagine Monday's episode we'll be going through like, oh, what's the, you know, have they hired an offensive coordinator? So we'll see. A lot of my plans get preempted by the Saints doing stuff.
0: Yeah, hopefully we got something more to talk about too on that front. If if it's another interview or, yeah, they, they've, you know, narrowed it down and they've got their man in their sights.
1: Right. Well, all right. Thanks, y'all. Again, this is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He is Steve Geller. Thanks, everyone who hung out. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, whatever, uh, hit me up on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. You can hit up Steve at Steve Geller, WWL. Is there anything, anyone you want to look, you want us to look at at the senior bowl? Let me know. Um, you know, it's good. So it's always, it's always fun to just go through this list of names and be like, well, I think that guy's interesting. I think that guy's interesting. And then they just look like terrible. Uh, so just get ready for your peanut butter cup fix. What does that mean? Reese's. Reese's oh, senior yes. bowl, all the, all the peanut the butter cups. Senior, you know, I have never gotten a peanut butter cup at the senior bowl.
0: Oh, man. I thought it was part of like the gift bag.
1: I don't, I've never gotten a gift bag. Dang, you got to go to the media center. Apparently. <laughs> I just hope it doesn't rain. Last year was right. raining the entire time, or maybe not. Maybe was that last year. Maybe it was two years ago, it was raining the entire time. I don't know. It's all blending together. We'll see. It is funny because the weather is so... Is so it's di- Like, two years ago, it was, like, freezing cold. And then last year, it was hot. Like, I got a sunburn. And I remember the first day, I brought a jacket, assuming it would be cold. And it was, like, 85 degrees, and I was sweating. It's, you never know. It's the South, baby. No, you,
0: you really don't know what you're going to get in the South with the weather. So, yeah, Godspeed. And hopefully, it's uh, good
1: viewing because, yeah, nobody wants to be out there in the cold or the wet. Agreed. Cold sucks. Doesn't make sense. Why would you live in it? Wait. Nah. This is Inside Black and Gold. Thanks, everyone. Who dat? Go Saints. Boil your water, Black and Gold fan. Boil your water. Bye.